episode today y'all ready for this okay i don't think you guys are ready for this um so i'm sitting here with my my two besties my ride or dies my constant growing peeps i have the two women i surround myself with on a regular basis and i'll let them do their introductions <laughs> ah, they're shaking their heads <laughs> Just push me out there. Well, hello. <laughs> My name is Sabrina Spears, and I am just part of Brenna's amazing tribe of people that she has around her. And I cannot wait to dive into this topic with her and you guys, and you get to listen to us laugh, fight, maybe some tears. Just, <laughs> just forewarning, we don't agree with everything, but we do support each other fully. <laughs> That is a very true statement. Mm-hmm. Very true statement. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for me. <laughs> Hi, my name is Rita Lara, and I'm also one of Brenna's besties. Um, I have to say that our friendship is so unique and amazing, and I'm just so blessed with Brenna and Sabrina both. And I'm excited to do this. Yeah. All right. So we've been on a kick of talking about parenting and different things that have been going off for, at least for me and my family in the last um, couple months. And then I know these ladies also have faced some different challenges and they also have unique backgrounds as well, too, with parenting. Um, One of which is, you know, Sabrina coming from a completely different culture. And then Rita's got some some different ethnicities um influences there too as well as myself and so um it's it's a lot of fun so i want to get started on talking about what kind of what is your parenting style like if you had to put a name to it or if you know the names they usually have like there's four basic ones that they talk about do you guys know what those are? No, no. Teach us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they have authoritative, authoritarian, permissive, and neglectful. And so what they say for authoritarian is the disciplinarian, permissive or indulgent or neglectful or uninvolved. And then you have the authoritative. And so I thought this was interesting. It's like some of the stats, like roughly 46% of parents in the U.S. use authoritative parenting style, 26 authoritarian, 18 permissive, and 10 neglectful. And let me 
get to this. So authoritative parenting is like high demandingness, high responsiveness. So authoritative parents have high expectations for achievement and maturity, but they are also warm and responsive. These parents set rules and enforce boundaries. Y'all, they're over here giggling. Um, <laughs> and then looking at each other. Uh, <laughs> by having open discussions, providing guidance and using reasoning. So these parents provide their kids with reasoning and explanation for their actions. Explanations allow children to have a, have a sense of awareness and teach kids about values, morals, and goals. Um, they are, their disciplinary methods are confrontive, reasoned, negotiable, outcome oriented, and concerned with, with regulating behaviors as opposed to coercive. Ooh, if I could talk. Um, it goes on to say that they're affectionate and supportive, respect their child's autonomy, provide them with a lot of freedom and encourage and independence. Um, and it just goes on into like the communication style and all that stuff. So authoritarian is high demandingness, low responsiveness. So high levels of parent control and low levels of parent responsiveness are the two characteristics of authoritarian parenting. Um, so differences, belief, demand, and approach. While both parenting styles demand high standards, authoritarian parents demand blind obedience using reasons such as because I said so. Mm, no. Sorry. Yeah. I'm like that. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just sitting here because like the movie popped in my head about like because, because I said so with Mandy Moore. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, I caught myself one day and I'm like, I'm sick and tired of being asked why over and over and over again. And I'm like, because I said so. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> um, so, but their the parents are unresponsive to their child's needs and are generally not nurturing. They usually justify using mean treatment to toughen up their kids. No. And I, yeah, okay. And then you have permissive, low demandingness, high responsiveness. So permissive parents set very few rules and boundaries and they are reluctant to enforce rules. These indulgent parents are warm and indulgent, but they do not like to say no or disappoint their children. Um. Oh, they, like they—they they even talk about behaviors on this thing, like from this style style of parenting. What you have, I'm gonna have to do a whole separate thing on this because it's fascinating. Um, neglectful parenting, uninvolved, low demandingness, low responsiveness. So I, I feel like that's kind of self-explanatory. Um. But they find that uninvolved parents may also have mental mental issues themselves, such as depression, physical abuse, or child neglect when they were kids. That makes sense. It does make sense. Um, I think that was it, right? No, I don't remember if I got all four of them. I think I did. Okay. What do you think? Um, I think my parenting style is... Um, I've never done this before and I'm trying to figure it out. Is that a category? Because uh, <laughs> I've made a whole lot of mistakes. <laughs> I've done some things right also. And I also feel like parenting, especially my parenting style, really depends on the age of my of my kids. Like I, I can't treat my youngest the same way I do my teen. Um and for me growing up, my parent was was really authoritative. She wanted us to listen to what she said, 
to it how she said it never questioned anything and that never changed from being a toddler mm-hmm. to even now to adulthood yeah, so she was more of the, just to correct you, is the authoritarian. Because authoritative yes. is the one that's responsive. They have high demands, but they're also very responsive. Whereas the authoritarian is the high demands, but unresponsive. Yeah, that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Rena? I think, um, I agree with Sabrina, but I also think I'm more of, is it the, th- not authoritarian, but the... Th- the first. Authoritative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very. I feel like we pronounce of, um, Authoritative. Yeah. Is that yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's more my parenting style for sure. Mm-hmm. We uh, love communication and explanations, and, you know, sometimes we yell and to work things out, and sometimes mm-hmm. we get angry and don't say anything. But I think at the end of the day, communication is definitely important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just being responsive, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think at any given moment for me, I could see a little bit of myself in all of those things. Like I could see myself being neglectful at some point because mm-hmm. I'm exhausted, just mentally, emotionally oh, yeah. worn out, exhausted. But those are moments rather than the Your constant style. and the, the standard norm. Um, I could see myself being permissive because I'm much more like passive with you know allowing them to explore and do what they want they can throw you know they can make a mess in the house and it's like no big deal but eventually they're going to pick it up so then there's that authoritative piece that comes in for me as well too um I think when when I get super exhaustive like high demands and non-responsive could also for the authoritarian come out come out as well too but I think it just depends on whether or not my cup is full um, or if it's half empty because I'm lacking and struggling through whatever's yeah, going on. That's true. I can definitely relate mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. But I'm definitely more on the authoritative side. Like I, just like you ladies, it, communication is key. Like I'm the first person that's like, oh, you're, you're struggling. Okay. Let's go to counseling because I can't be counseling and be mom at the same time. And, you know, having them express themselves and learn how to express themselves and, um, knowing what emotions are and all yeah. of that stuff. So I feel like there's, like, I could see myself in a little bit. That's why I was laughing because I was like, because I said so. Girl, I've been guilty I of mean, saying we that. All <laughs> yeah, I think that. we've all said that. It's hard to like, keep the outside world Yeah, but that, let's face it, sometimes out. that as mm-hmm. parents, but mostly m- mothers, because let's face it, we are the ones that really spend most of our time with, with, the, with the kiddos. Um, but we're tired and sometimes it's just like because I said so like don't ask me anything else that's pretty much what that translates yeah. yep <laughs> do our do our children receive it that way probably not um but does it get them to just shush for us yeah yeah mm-hmm. sometimes you know I'm too tired to even <laughs> give an explanation I'm just like I don't want to explain to you why I asked you to do that or why I asked you right. to do this or whatever it is. Oh, you get, mm-hmm. mom, did you hear me? Yeah. Did you, did you hear? <laughs> yeah. I heard you, I I'm just choosing my words wisely. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part is when they're like, mom, mommy, 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 Brenna. And I'm like, <laughs> stop saying my name. I didn't answer the first time. There's a reason for it. 
Um, parenting style. So Sabrina kind of touched on this. Is it similar to your parents' way of doing things growing? Um, absolutely not for me. My my goal in raising my children is to really break generational trauma, especially the trauma that I endured as as a child. I don't want my kids to experience that, and I don't want to pass down that legacy to them like it ends with me and that and i've been very intentional with how i choose to parent them even when they were born but now after divorce i've been really conscious Mm -hmm. of my relationship with them and how i want them to feel loved even though i'm correcting them or trying to guide them because I want my girls to question me. I'm not right all the time. I want them to have a safe space where they can say, well, mom, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't make sense. And, and ask me questions because I grow from that space also. Mm-hmm. And they feel empowered to question authority, which is a big deal for me. <laughs> like I want them to go out into the world and be able to do that with confidence and it starts at home. So yeah. I, I'm okay yeah. with, with my teenagers asking me questions, saying no to me when I request something to them. Like mm-hmm. if I say, you need to clean the room and they're like, okay, well, can I finish this chapter first? Because that was never an option for me growing up. I could never say that. <laughs> no, you're just getting up and doing it. Nah. <laughs> so, Saying no respectfully, of course. Um, but yeah. I love that. What about you? Um, so I was raised in a very loving household. My mom and dad were very, just raised us with love and acceptance. And um, they didn't really didn't like discipline us physically. Um, I can remember a couple times that I'd been spanked or slapped, but you know, they weren't, they weren't physical. Um, I think the generational trauma stopped with my mom cause she grew up in a very abusive household, um, physically, mentally, and sexually. And so she chose to change how she parent us. Mm-hmm. And I think for anyone to be able to do that is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And can I just say like Sabrina has, the patience of a saint. <laughs> I mean, it is insane the patience she has and the calmness she has. Sometimes I just stare at her and I'm like, wow, one day when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for that. Well, I, I totally feel you on yeah. that because there's times where I'm on the phone and I like I, I mute her because I don't want her to hear the, the crotchetiness of what's going to come out of my mouth towards my kids because I've told them 50,000 times to freaking do whatever. Uh-huh. And then and then I come back on and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, Ugh, I'm fine. I just didn't want you to listen to my shame, okay? <laughs> I, would, I would not judge you. <laughs> I believe that, but still, it makes me feel better when you don't have to listen to it. It's like, look. <laughs> yeah, I would say for my household... Oh, did you have anything else you wanted to no. mention? Okay. Um, my household was probably um, like similar thing. My my dad was raised by a police of... Ch- the police, the chief of police. Wow. And um, so it was very like, authorita- like authoritarian. 
um, like you will do what I say, you will make us look good because of the status and what we have uh, as a public figure in the household. They used a lot of like um, gift gifts to buy love and affection, which was like a very big um, trigger point for my dad. And so for him, it was really interesting watching him and my mom because my mom also has the um, the same like background, but hers was single mom for a very long time. Dad left, but her mom is um, probably on the personality spectrum, uh, like having a disorder of some sort. And all of the uncles and aunts are kind of that way. And it's very fascinating, like listening to the stories and the things like she was very neglectful and permissive. Um, criticizing like tearing her down and so my mom and my dad kind of like broke away from like their own home stuff to like create their own parenting thing and I think in the midst of all of that like I had a really good childhood but there are certain things that there are I'm like oh hell no like I would never in a, in a million years so it was like more of like very rare that I would hear I'm so proud of you or you did a great Aww. job or things like that yeah. and that's something that my mom has identified as as a grandmother that she looks at me and she's like you are so good at complimenting your kids I was never like that like she we would hear it but it'd be like once in a blue moon then I think about Nemo and his family they never say that I love you and I think we had this conversation yeah. Sabrina one night about that like they never said I love you yeah and I was like well I can actually say that in my family we say it all the freaking time um you know so that's like you take what you can but my household was definitely authoritative and then there was probably brief moments where there were other things that that went on but my parents were very responsive and wanted us to be responsive they were always giving us choices you know you can do this or you can do this and just know that there's always consequences natural consequences for those for those options that you choose um and so it's just very fascinating like watching and then there's like the sprinkled I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's always something, like you come from that background, you can change the generational trauma, but the scars are so deep that there's points where it trickles in. And those points are the points that I remember in my house growing up of like, it's coming through and I'm having to figure out yeah. how, how to say that. And then I was, you know, surrounded by very assertive people and then a very passive person and I was very passive and loving and nurturing mm -hmm. growing up and then having to figure out how to be assertive amongst a sea of wolves trying to figure it out let me tell you yeah just having yeah. you haven't done it before and you're trying to do it better yeah you want a different experience for your for your kids but yeah mm -hmm. definitely <clears throat> the trauma it does it does stick with you and 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 i and i can only imagine that my parents were trying to figure it out also so i do have grace in that sense mm -hmm. but also mm -hmm. i have no compassion at the same time for the way that things were done yep. um and i have i have a lot of trauma and some things that i've never shared with you guys before like coming home from school and I got a C grade in I think it was social studies yeah A's and B's and everything else but I got a C and my mother told me to strip naked and she got a huge belt and beat me 
because my grade reflected her status. Oh man, that just kills me. And I and I deal like being with a counselor, um, social worker, whatever you want to title it, with a lot of of parents that do exactly that. That it is a reflection on them, and then these kids, the scars, you know, mm-hmm. and and then it's just this constant vicious reoccurring cycle um then I could go off on a big soapbox and I won't about all of those things which is why I'll probably do another podcast to talk about exactly that about the the behavior things that you see in kids when they do that like I, I just I and I, I want I'm curious Sabrina like what that was like for you afterwards like what your reaction was I mean, it was, it was traumatizing, but, but also when you have your children waking up at four o'clock in the morning to cook food so that it can be sold at the shop, at the school, because that's where she worked, like how much sleep did we really get? We, there was, it was in an environment where we could thrive right Mm -hmm. we were pretty much just trying to make it we had a lot of responsibilities and your chores were before your your homework i remember you telling me that your chores were priority so after helping cook all that food walk into school dropping it off coming back home getting dressed for school walking back to school then after school helping her load everything up pack it all in a wheelbarrow mm-hmm. push it home and then when we got home we had to clean and do dishes because we cooked all the food the morning wow <sighs> plus chores plus all the things so yeah but that's and that's normal for some people right so when I say I, I, I have grace but at the same time I have no compassion mm-hmm. that's where it lies because because for me I, I would never let my kids enjoy that never because you're con- I mean and I think we briefly touched on this the other day like you go into when you're in survival mode you're not thinking about anything else it's just fight flight or freeze and a lot of people don't realize that in some moments they'll freeze in some moments they'll run and a lot of the moments like we fight and power through and they don't think that it's it's survival they'll actually title it as well I'm just persevering through mm-hmm. the difficulties but it's it's not like the survive it's you're you're in survival mode still mm-hmm. and so when you talk about those functions the three areas in the brain of like your executive state your emotional state and your survival state you're just acting and doing um, and there's nothing, there might be some verbal stuff that comes out, but you're never in your executive state because you're trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And then it's just this. But big, also how to be safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How to be safe. Yeah. I know that my mom, you know, she suffered with PTSD and I mean, of course, all the stuff that comes with childhood trauma, you know, and obviously that growing up, we could see that. And um, I, f- I kind of feel like that's, this might sound a little crazy to people who don't believe that believe in this kind of stuff, but I feel like that's why her life was so shortened because she was forced to be an adult at such a young age and, mm-hmm. she, and she suffered such trauma mm-hmm. at such a young age. I don't think there's anything wrong with yeah. stating that. I, I mean, mean, the body does keep score. Yep. So. Yeah. And so, you know, it was like when she was five years old, she was forced to take care of her, her Down syndrome brother and then her 
other brother and essentially so she was like at five essentially she was like what a teenager mm-hmm. you know and I feel like just all that stuff she went through just took years off her life mm-hmm. yeah they definitely mm-hmm. they definitely say shoot I crack that joke all the time about me being 34 but inside I'm more like probably 64 I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, just going through cancer treatment I'm yeah. like what the heck and that's I mean I the trauma piece of it yes you do and I like even me for myself like people are like you are an old soul you're old. You're way older beyond your years than what you actually are because of all the things. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. that's something that my mom had stated too. She was like, "People are going to leave your life, and it's not because of anything other than you have outgrown everyone around mm-hmm. you because of your experiences." So yeah. I wholeheartedly yeah. Believe and I don't that. think she got the proper healing ever you know she did her best and what she could but I don't think she ever got the proper healing so Mm. but I am very thankful that she chose to break that generational trauma yeah even though she was a teenage mom she still she chose to do that I mean yeah, but was she really but a she, teenage yeah, mom? Yeah, she really wasn't a teenage mom. <laughs> no, because she'd been a caregiver for so long. Since that's she was all five she's years known. Old, yeah. yeah, she wasn't a teenage mom. She was in her mid twenties, mm-hmm. mid to late twenties at that point. Is what I would say. Yeah, I. It's it's just powerful. Like I appreciate you girls sharing that stories. Oh yeah, because yeah. it is. It's it's rough, and then there's still things like. Even my mom has told me that she's like, there's things that creep up and I have to figure out how to address them. And she's now 60 and she's still addressing and growing and tweaking and figuring it out and one step after the other. And that's why I'm like, the scars are so deep that I think that we forget. And even as parents, our kids, they are magnets for seeking out your weaknesses. <laughs> I don't know what it is about these smart little turkeys, but it's like they just know. And then I call, so I call my boys piranhas because they sense weakness and they go for it. Smell blood in the water. I'm, I am chopped liver. I've, I have, there's been times I think I've called you and I'm like, Girl, they are nonstop (laughs) shredding me today. I feel like the crappiest mom in the entire world because they won't, they just won't leave me alone. And then they're just like, I'm so tired and I'm so exhausted and I don't know why I'm sitting here doing this. And they just go after you. But then it's also those growth factors. Like I think about my, my dad being completely against like I grew up in a house where my dad he saw two um little colored boys that had interested me and they were like he was like you ever bring a black man home and I'll disown you and now look who I married to and he loves the shit out of my husband and thinks it's the greatest thing in the entire world and he's one of the greatest papas you know and same thing with like with gay like he just he could not stand it it just was awful for him and our very very good friend came out of the closet and my dad was faced with a a 
uh, I love, like, I love yeah. this person, like, like genuinely mean, love and care this person. So, and he, one day he told me when I brought Nemo home and, um, was like talking with him about it. And he was like, he literally was like, I swear on my life, you kids are going to fucking kill me. Like it put me in a grave early because of all this. He goes, I just don't know how much more I can grow. And, and I just looked at him. I was like, you're going to keep going until you finally state that I, I can't, this is where my stakes are at and I just have to keep it, you know, point A, point B or point A to, to W, you know, whatever it is. And X, Y, Z is, I just can't, you know, and, um, he's like, he's just grown so freaking much. Whereas my mom is like, she don't care. She's like, it's whatever, whoever walks in the door, all the stuff. But he was also raised in North Dakota, 45 miles South of the, you know, Canadian border. And they used to, my grandfather was Lebanese, but my dad is adopted and they used to call him a sand N word. Mm. And that's what they used to call him because his skin was darker. And they had this thing where they would communicate and talk about how you don't mix races and all the stuff. But here's my grandmother. I, uh, uh, this is something I could be misspeaking to, but you know, like a Norwegian woman who's white and pale as all get out that's married to a Lebanese man. And then my dad goes and marries a Hispanic woman full-blooded mind you and then I was like what do you mean you don't mix races <laughs> please explain this to me because yeah. if, and now we talk about that my dad's like yeah it's really funny mm. because it, we're all mixed like it doesn't it's it's we mixed all the way across so like those teachings like why were those conversations you know happening he goes but stuff sticks with you and then that's all you know until you get challenged and then there's growth. But I'm like, Sabrina, I have no compassion for those who want to stay in that thing. None. And then they don't like they don't want to grow and challenge themselves mm -hmm. because it's too hard. Yeah. And we've talked about that on the mm -hmm. podcast, too, about how you have to face your own disappointment in order for you to move forward with anything. Yeah. There's, there's this, this bliss and ignorance. Mm -hmm. um, but there is so much power in self-awareness and saying ah I can change that and that's why I had like the no compassion for people who choose not to change because I also feel like you're capable of looking at yourself seeing how your behavior affects others and changing if you choose to and for anybody, anyone who says, well, I don't know, no one told me. Yes, they did. They told you when they stepped away from you. They, they, they told you when they no longer communicated with you. They, oh to they told you when they told you and they said, what yeah. you did hurt my feelings and you chose to be the victim. Yes. So, no, I have no compassion for people like that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not sorry. Yeah. And that's, I'm like, no, it's, a, yeah, I get it. I'm like, sorry, not sorry. Um. Yeah, I, wholeheartedly. I think for me, it's been since being diagnosed with cancer, I've lost a lot of patience and a lot of compassion for people because of exactly that. Like, and then I think of that book, Untamed, that we were just talking yeah. about the other day. She talks about with her kids, we can do hard things. Change is hard. There's nothing easy about it. Being a parent is hard, but there's a lot of blessings with it as well, too. And that leads me to my next question of, like, what's the best part about being a parent? Ooh. Oh, totally. We can talk about the difficulties all day long and the negatives, but what's the best part I about it? I think the best part 
for me would be knowing that my kids are going to have a better life than I did. And that is so fulfilling. And even though they're young now, I can see it. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. that they're going to do mm-hmm. much better than me. And they're going to thrive. And their kids are going to have a totally different experience. Whether I'm here to see it or not, I feel like yeah. if I did anything else wrong in this world, that right there yeah. is the one thing that I know that I did Well, because right. you always want your kids... You well, at least I'm sure the three of us feel this way, but... We we want our kids to be better than than us, mm-hmm. and we want them to achieve and do all the things that we didn't get to. Um, but I think for me, it's just watching them grow. Like it's so fascinating that that they were in our tummies, and then they're babies, and they go through all these stages and phases and styles and <laughs> behaviors and attitudes, and it's just really fascinating to see kids grow. It really is. Yeah, I would agree. But I love. Even though teenagers are sassy and they're just, you know, they question everything, which is fine. Um, but sometimes you're just like, be quiet already. But uh, I love the teenage stage. I freaking love it. I love, you know, um, I just love it. Because you get to experience yeah. them in a totally different yeah. it's way. Great. And you feel like, oh, like, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. This, I get a little glimpse into who you're going to be. As an adult, like, <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm over here smacking, like, trying air smacking Sabrina's foot. She keeps touching the table, and I can hear it through the mic. <laughs> but you get to experience them, and you also get to parent in a in a totally different way. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like parenting my teen. I had to realize that I cannot control everything, right? And mm-hmm. and sometimes she's gonna make choices that I don't agree but I have to step back and just let her do it because that's her area to grow to make mistakes to say well that wasn't a good choice in friendship um or I I stood up to this person and, and I chose not to be her friend anymore and to make all that but now I just have to like be quiet and just be a, a cheerleader you know and encourage her well I, I know maybe you made the wrong decision maybe you did made the right you just gotta wait and see but keep your integrity like the right friends are gonna come along so i get to parent from a totally different way i feel like it's 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 much more gentle rather yeah. than and you can, can you talk. stop touching that don't go in the fridge put the candy down no you cannot have that for dinner you don't need another That's snack, snack. <laughs> yes, <I'm sorry. laughs> i was just gonna say that how how many junk snacks oh <laughs> Okay, I'll grab a piece of yeah. fruit. Do you do you need a hug? Do you need a nap? Are you tired? So oh my yeah. God. So it's very different. And I and and I, I do. I, I agree with Jerry. I do love just watching them and being like, oh. It's very it's very <laughs> mature. Like you get to have very mature conversations. Um I just wanna say this. Um one of the girls came upstairs all happy um about her starting her cycle and i was very proud of her reaction to starting her cycle versus like the the shame because Mm -hmm. you know let's be honest society is is shameful when girls start their periods and when she just like came to me and was just so happy and she was bright and just like like proud 
and it's just like a I don't know it just made me feel so good like it's a different I'm doing something right she's excited she's proud you know even though it comes with well, it's a different, and, you know, right. things, but. Well, it's a different way of viewing it as mm-hmm. well, too. I think of that wonderful TikTok today about the women have superpowers. Yeah. We yeah. can bleed with no wound. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm all keeping going. We can get wet with no water. <laughs> oh, yes. shoot. And I just think about that, like, why is it not celebrated? Why is yeah. it something that we have to hide? That's the word I was looking for. I love that mm-hmm. she was just, like, celebrating it. Yep. And. Um, so having those mature experiences yeah. and conversations when they become teenagers is is fun. Man, being a boy mom is so different than girl. Yeah, <laughs> tell us about that. Uh, well, I'm like, you guys are talking about celebrate. I'm like, everything is celebrated about their freaking penises since the, like <laughs> since the time they like finally recognize that there's a freaking thing attached to them, and they just like they. I mean, they're always talking about it at some point or another. Like I was sitting there today, and I'm laughing hysterically because Killian, my three year old, has a accident outside, and so he strips down, not thinking anything of it, and the kids start screaming. I didn't know what they were screaming about. He chased them all across the street into somebody's garage. And he is butt naked. And he's coming back and his older brothers are dragging him. And the smile on his face is like, I'm so cool. And I'm like, dude. And so I had to have that conversation with him. You do not show your penis to other people. You know, so I'm like dragging him into the house. And then I had to go back and look at my ring, my ring camera. Because I was like, oh, God, right there. Full frontal his 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 genitalia and I was like oh I wonder if people are looking at these (laughs) the system where do these things get stored but yeah I was like oh my god but they're just they're so prideful and I I distinctly remember our firstborn recognizing that daddy had one and he had one and the excitement at a year and a half um as they're getting ready to go take a shower he's like and he's looking at me and he's looking back at his dad ah, 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 and he's doing this thing and he's like you know trying to touch and you know my husband's like get out of there like don't do anything and it's just they're just so prideful from the second they figure things out so it's just I think that's so funny that it's completely opposite for for us girls and I remember like I have a distinct memory of when my breasts started to bud and my brother used to love me tying his laces on his rollerblades because I did them so tight I was the one that so every time he'd ask me I was in a like a sleep uh, spaghetti strap tank or something and um I would he was sitting on the stairs and it's like three stairs up in the entryway and so I'm bending over and so my top gapes down and he was like sissy you have ninnies? <laughs> when did you get those? And he's, and I'm ninnies. over there like, ah, ah, you know, freaking out because he's calling attention to this thing. And it's like, why didn't I stop and just be like, you know, fuck yeah, I have ninnies. Are they freaking cool? Like I got boobs. But no, I was freaking mortified that my brother's calling attention to the fact that I have breasts. And then I like run off because he won't shut up about it. And my mom was like, okay, stop talking about, well, they're right in front of my face. Like he just could not stop. And for him, it's funny now that I'm thinking about this in a totally different lens. He was celebrating it. Yeah. The fact that I had ninnies. 
and I'm over here mortified. But where does that mortification come mm-hmm. from? Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Okay, so the best part of parenting for me, so I agree with you guys, is like changing things, um, doing things different than their parents. Mine is watching their eyes whenever they do something for the first time and they're successful. Or if they failed at it previously and they go for it again and that success, mm-hmm. like their eyes, their whole face light up and it completely changes. And then all of a sudden their body language changes and they're like strutting around. It's so cool that they did that. And that to me, that to me, I think is the best part of parenting um, is, is see, is seeing that, that aspect and watching them learn new things and, and coaching them through it. Um, my stepdaughter's getting into that teenage thing. And I do like the conversations, like the different conversations that you can have, like the challenging them with the questions and the critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not like the sass. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you need to tone it down. And, I, and, and I've always been that way, even as a counselor with teenagers, like middle schoolers through high school, like... Like, I tell all the kids that you can cuss in front of me, like, yo, this stuff. But the second you speak to me in such a manner, like, mm-hmm. I feel my whole back, like, arch up, like, <laughs> what did you just say? Yeah. You know? The tone. Yeah. And I'm like, better check it. They still testing boundaries. Oh, man. Like, all, like, all the time. And so, I feel like that. So, I'm excited to see what it's like. Because, you know, girls, they're so easy when they're younger. And then as they grow, they get... That's typically what they say is that they get harder. And right. boys, they say, are of the opposite. Like, they're so hard when they're young. Mm-hmm. God, they, they are hard. They're just... And they're, mm-hmm. it's not even that they're busy. They're, or they're, it's not even that they're hard. They're just so busy. And it's like, go, 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 go. And run, run, run. And do this and do that. And you have to keep them entertained. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they get into stuff. And the next thing you know, it's like like this morning. Malcolm was cleaning up. And then he just took all the tiny little Legos and just threw them all over the bedroom floor. And I was like, are you serious right now? And the cleaning ladies just showed up at the house. And I was like... <laughs> Trying not to lose my cool, and I was like, "What is going through freaking head, kids? Like, get it together!" And like, you know, I'm like, "Come on, we got swimming lessons. We gotta go." And um, it's just things like that. Like, you just have to be careful. They go quiet in the house. You better be running, because they are into something, doing something that they know they're not supposed to be. And it's like they're like, "Oh, I could do that." Yeah. It's almost like they decided that their trouble's freaking worth it. Get I know. Made their decision. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're so busy. Oh gosh. <laughs> they're just they're just wicked busy. So it's just different. And then they say that it get they get easier as they get older, but the physicality of them doesn't change. So most boy moms are like, don't have anything nice in your house. <laughs> It'll get destroyed. Okay, switching over to the hardest, not the worst, the oh. hardest part of parenting. Ooh, the heartbreak. Oh, go ahead, girl. Okay. <laughs> Watching your kids being heartbroken, whether it's um, them being heartbroken over friendships or not being able to do something or, um, you know, coming home from school and just being upset about a grade or something, they get in trouble at school or whatever, just the heartbreak. That's something that's never talked about before you're a parent. The, your kids being heartbroken is the worst thing about parenting. I absolutely yeah. hate it. I would agree. I mean, yeah. 
Nothing makes you want to hit another kid like another kid picking on your kid. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, let's story, be honest. Story of my life yeah. last week. Oh, oh my God. I, it's the bullying that yes. I don't like. Doing things. And, like, most people are like, oh, bullying. Like, my, they're being mean to my kid one, you know, one time. That's not bullying. Bullying is when it happens over time. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over. And it's being mean on purpose. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again. And so, like, that's the thing that I can't stand is when kids are bullying and then they know they're being mean like that. And it's not just one kid they do it to. It's like all the kids and that superiority thing, like the entitlement. That's another thing like that. I'm like, I I struggle with that when kids are they feel like they're so entitled that they should just receive and everybody else should just like bow down to their greatness. And I'm like, excuse me. (laughs) <laughs> i have some some freaking choice words for what, you your parents yeah yeah you know and i just um the other worst part for me other parents mm, yeah that like yep i address things being that responsive parent and the involved parent i i'll like talk to me please talk to me I love because if you tell me something about my kid like I want to know about it so then I can address it with them and we'll have a conversation um but when you go to talk to other parents I don't I can't even tell you how many times I've been sloughed off or they're just like "Mm, okay whatever Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's the big two for me I'm like bullying and sloughing not parenting like like just talking to other parents it's gross yeah, girl. It's hard. I just... Yeah, it's hard. Yes, and it's hard to keep your own expectations in check because you expect them to be the same parent, parenting style as you are and how responsive you are and all this stuff, but you can't. So then it goes back down to that spiral of the trail of like, I'm so disappointed and disgusted with the fact that you won't do this, but those are my expectations, not their expectations. Don't get me started. I'll go right <laughs> Grace. Grace. Patience. I would say... In this season of my life, um, because I feel like it just really depends on, on the season and, and the age of your kids. You struggle with different things. Some things can be hard when they're toddlers, when they're eight, then when they're teenagers, then when they're adults. Like, the hard never stops. It just looks very different. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Um, so... <clears throat> I would say hard part during a divorce would be the guilt of choosing your own happiness and peace above your kids. And I know I may get some shit for this, but I don't regret it. Because here's the thing, I can only pour from a healthy, full me and point to my kids mm-hmm. and do that in a healthy way yeah but you and do that in a positive way i cannot point to my children being quarter filled i cannot point to my children from a cup that has holes mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. yep so during divorce i had to put me first and create a better and, and the best version of myself so that I am able to parent them in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And responding to them in a healthy way. Yes. And not being and reactive. in a healthy way. Yes. 
I don't so. think I don't think you should get any flack for that. I might have your back on that it. because I I would say that to anybody. You have to be healthy yourself yeah. in order for you to pour into your kids, to pour into other people, to mm-hmm. pour into the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just about, you know, like the the parenting aspect of it. Number one should always be just that number one. You I cannot pour into other people when I am sick and tired and beyond all those things. And that was something that, you know, for me, I got really good at like, nope, can't do it right now. Mm -hmm. And I told my kids that during my cancer treatment, that's how like sometimes there was somebody that had posted that they never told their young children that she like, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and going through chemo and like all this stuff. She never told her kids. I disagree with that so wholeheartedly because your kids are so in tune with you. They know they yeah. know when something is that, and I could not fake being sick. So there was times I would look at my son and I'm like, I can't. Mommy can't today. Are you not feeling good, mommy? No, buddy. I yeah. am really unwell and I can't. Please yeah. go talk to Mimi. Please go talk to Papa. Please go talk to your daddy. Please go talk to another adult that could probably help you with this because I can't today. And it teaches them, that teaches them to, you know, for other people, like if other people in their lives are sick or their friends or their teachers or their cousins or their grandma and grandpa or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, they they know what that means when you say, I can't right now, I don't feel good or I'm tired yeah. or I've had a long day or, you know, it teaches yep. them boundaries. Yep. And I'm sure there's, there's some some stuff that, you know, will come out for the kids later in life as well, too, for like you choosing them. Like there's always going to be some, there's no child on this planet that will ever come out completely unscathed. There will always be a scar, but it's what scars are you going to place on your kid? I think is the biggest, the biggest one. And to me, that's not a scar that to me, that is uh, like a growth thing for them to recognize something, a, a lesson learned that you have to take care of yourself and you have to be a whole and happy person. Cause Graga, I'll tell you there was, there was like, there was a dawning moment, like dawning moment for me where I was in a bad, unhealthy relationship. I had a year of growth. Like I just was working on myself the whole time was turning down, you know, male advances and like all this was like, I was like, no, no, no. Then I go back to that person and a couple months in, I started losing myself again. And I was like, nope. I have done too much work and too much stuff that I was like, it's got to be me. So then it's like backtracking out of that. But it's that self-awareness to realize that your kids are just, they are a relationship the same way that mm-hmm. your significant other yeah. is a relationship, the same way that your, you know, extended family, your coworkers, yeah, all of it. This is, I mean, this is true, but it's it's still a struggle when it's, they don't understand and you try to shield your kids from so much and you get the, well, why didn't you guys stay together or why are we not living in the same household or you have other people's opinion where it's like, I I will, I would never break up my um my home because of that. We'll get divorced after the kids are all gone and in college or finished school and I'm like um I rather um parent single and have a 
healthy home rather than a toxic dynamic and think that the kids don't notice because they because pick they, up on they, everything. They, they do. <laughs> they know when you're not happy. They know when you're upset. Um, I think about Malcolm. Um, I was unwell after an infusion that I got. Like, I don't know what was going on, but my body was having a reaction to it. It wasn't the, the old chemo drugs that made me really sick, but I still felt sick. And he was sitting in the back seat, and you could just see the anxiety in his body at six years old. And he's like, you're sick again. And I was like, no, baby, I'm not. But you're acting. I said, the medicine that I took today is definitely making me feel bad, but I'm not sick like I was. Are you, are you, and you know, and so they, they know and they recognize that. And so then it's coming up with those ways of like explaining it to them, but it can be explained. Mm-hmm. Like most people are like, well, how do you explain to them about the, like about your, your breasts? And I'm like, I literally told Malcolm, I was like, I cannot pick you up. Mommy had one of her boobs chopped off. And what? And he's like, like they took it off. And so I would show him my scar and I'm like, yeah, buddy, they took it off because that's where the cancer was at. That's where the sickness was. Uh, okay. Then James, can you pick me up and put me in the tree? She can't do that. Mom got her boob <laughs> chopped off. You know, like I'm just like, they understand things. And then I just explain stuff and I haven't hit any of the stuff or any of that, but they, they do understand the explanation is hard. They eventually form their own I feel like they form their own opinions or judgments about it. And there's no way around that. They're, mm-hmm. they're always going to form it. And we don't have control over that either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think it's fabulous how you're doing. Well, that you've done all that. Part. That's my hat season. I think you, Next you know, you, you did it with such grace, though. You know, okay, it was heartbreaking yeah. for you and, and them and. But I think you did it with grace. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, girl. I appreciate it. Guys. You're welcome. I know it was hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we could say the same thing about you. Oh yeah. And going through that with grace and doing what you need, you know, doing mm-hmm. what you need to do and handling it, and then the introductions of yeah. new things coming into play and. Well, you know, I told the kids that. You know, it's sad and it's hard, but eventually they'll see that it was for the better. And sure enough, six months later or whatever, Nia Nia and Ava both. I mean, Channing, he notices things, but he expresses them differently. Mm -hmm. Um, But both the girls, you know, were very like, you know, you just seem happier, Mom. And, and, And I told them I could see the same for you, too. Like... We're all happy, and there's no arguing, there's no fighting, there's no bickering. You parent, you parent much differently, right? Mm-hmm. Without mm-hmm. having that additional like mm-hmm. stress, it's like oh, yes. I, I, like you change mm-hmm. your patience, the mm-hmm. way that you communicate with your children. Mm-hmm. It's it's surreal, and it's and it's kind of tricky to explain, but parenting from a healthy happy place as, as a mom doesn't pack your kids stress mm-hmm. and if I had to do things over again I would make the same decision I'll do it again and yeah. again and again so going going back to those four different parenting styles there were probably times where you guys were more permissive or even neglectful because of the environment that yeah. you were in parenting from survival yeah I feel like um, the neglectful and survival but um, 
the neglectful part was I never wanted to be home because I was unhappy and so the absentee piece of going it. out and drinking and not coming home and just living that toxic unhealthy you know life yeah yeah so <laughs> I mean passing the trulies over that here part <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I I look back at it and I'm like, I feel ashamed kind of, but it's also like, it it's part of my growth. Yep. Like I, I could never think about doing that now, not ever. Mm-hmm. So and I and I have to say the same um, for their dad's household. It's much happier over there too, and he's grown and he's done all the things. So. It just feels really nice that we kind of have that down. I mean, obviously we still have arguments and disagreements, but um, sugar it's also n- married. Now. Yeah, <laughs> nothing <laughs> like it was. <laughs> no, but it's different. The arguments change because it's different when you're living in the house with the same person, and it's there's there's the toxicity of it because the two of you, I guess you could say, aren't meant to be. I mean, however you want to phrase that, but there's there's yeah. There's change because mm-hmm. because of it, and there will always always be arguments because finances are like they say the top three things are division of labor, finances, and um, sex are the three biggest things that people will argue within relationships. And we argued about all three of those things like hardcore. Girl, I'm still married, and I still argue about <laughs> I that mean, crap. <laughs> yeah. It's still, it's still, still. Like, I can tell you yeah. right now, the first thing that's going to come out of my husband's mouth was, well, you were gone and I had to cook dinner and get them ready for bed and to put them in the bed. I'm like, you, like, you already know that the, the comments come out. And it's like, it doesn't matter. And so then it's like, for you being separated, living in two different households now, the finances are always be one. And the second one, there might be some division of labor conversations that come up. Who's picking up the kids? Who's doing what? Who's running them there? Who's, you know, all this stuff mm-hmm. where those like snide little comments come out because we're human mm-hmm. and that happens. And then you have, so yours is co-parenting. Yours parallel. is parallel parenting. Yep. So... I had to, I'm going to be, I'm trying to be very tactful about how I say this. You're a good girl. So I had to come to terms with not controlling everything and being okay with that. Not knowing everything and being okay with that. And being okay with not knowing what happens at the other parent's house. I am okay with that. Yes. That's very tough in the beginning. Oh, <laughs> yes. I would struggle with that. Are you yeah. kidding me? Because I'm the one that does... Well, let's face it. As women, we're the ones that are the last ones to bed, the last ones to, to, to sit down at the table, the last ones. There's a lot of that stuff that happens. And why? Because the way that we look at details and put things into place for the kids mm-hmm. is very different than how how the men how the men do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the reality of it is, is that gives you a sense of control. And so when you lose that from like separating like that, mm-hmm. then it's like, what are yeah. you doing over there? I don't yeah. understand. Like, what do you mean I can't know what's going on? <laughs> and, at, and at this point in my life, I don't, I don't want to know what's going on. I'm, o- I'm okay with it. Um, when the girls are with me, I get to parent how, how, how I like with no interruptions. Um, 
nobody's chiming in. No one trying to chime in, uh, push their own beliefs. I'm, yeah. and I'm and I'm okay with that. For for me, one of the big reasons that I chose to divorce was because I felt like a single mother or a married single mother. <laughs> Take it away, put it. So, um, being a single mother is much more easier than that. Let me let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you ready? Are, are we good? I'm going to move on to another question. Yes. Okay. <laughs> as a parent and as a person, we always have these, but what are your triggers? What's something that your kids do that, like, you literally have to actively deep breathe for a second because it just hits that button? Um, for me, it would be being messy. Oh my god, I can see that for you. <laughs> being, being messy. Um, and this goes back to my childhood trauma because we we got beat for having the house dirty, having dishes in the sink. And you guys know I hate dishes in the sink. Like, it triggers me so bad. <laughs> Y'all, she comes over and she just instantly pops up, starts doing dishes. I'm like, what are you doing? They'll get done. Nope, nope, nope. I'm doing your dishes. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> That's how bad it is. But yeah, like have, having a mess. Ooh. And, you know, having teens now, like... The back talk, the being rude and sassy, and I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty open with my kids where you can communicate with me, but don't be rude. Yes. I call it tone check. Yeah. I tell, I tell my oldest that all the time. The that part. Your tone of voice. I'll look at her and be like, your tone of voice. With the mom eyes. I can yeah. just see him. Frida's over here staring at Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that that right there. That's I would say the sass and and the back talk is number one for me, and number two is um, when I ask them to do something and they blatantly just don't do it. I mean, you are teenagers, and your room literally looks like a tornado ran through it, and you can't get off your butt. For 30 minutes to clean your freaking room. I mean, that drives me insane. Yeah. Do your, or do the laundry or just do what I ask you to do. Yes. I'd agree with all, all of you on that. Um, the one that drives me nuts is when I have to repeat myself over and over and over again. So, like, I, I love my husband. I'll throw him under the bus on this one. But there are times where I'm like, I do I really have to repeat this and tell you again? And he's like, whoa. And I'm like, I am done. Like, I love you, but I am done with the fact that I have to repeat myself. And then Malcolm sometimes will do that to me, too, because those two are like twins. And he, I'll tell him, Malcolm, can you do this? Malcolm, did you hear me? Malcolm, I'm talking to you. I already know. Oh. Oh. And that's when I'm like. Yeah. Chani will be like, I know. I heard you. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. That one. Well, if you heard me, all you have to say is, okay, mom. Yeah. I mean, how hard is it to say, okay, mom? I come with the, um. Let's try that again. <laughs> yeah, so then I always thought, yes, yeah, so I do that too. When I'm, when I'm on my A game, that's what it is. Or I do the, like, I'm going to get down in front of you and I'm going to touch you. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? 
So I've been like purposefully trying to do that to be like, did you hear what I said? <sighs> Cause mm-hmm. that I'm like, it'll, it'll, it instantly flares me up when I have to constantly like over and over and over. And, and of course in this <laughs> stage right now, that's what I have to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, with a seven, five and three year old, it's like over and over and over. Get up, get dressed, go brush your teeth, socks and shoes. Let's go get up, get dressed. And it's always like the seven year old, wake up. Get out of bed. <laughs> Get out of bed. And then he's like, Ooh, stop yelling at me. And I'm like, oh, dude, if only you knew. <laughs> yeah. Scheiße. Get a mood. I ain't got time for this. Go, 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 go. And now I'm like, bus is leaving. Peace out, dude. Somebody will come pick you up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and it's the, and I think the other one is the constant hysterics. When you fake cry, this girl ain't got no time for that. Like, you take your fake-ass tears, go in the other room. <laughs> like, yeah. Go. Okay, last question, or last statement, I guess. Okay. Advice you would give to parents? Huh. It's so much. I, I mean, yeah. I would say tell your children you love them but also show them um i can tell you that my parents never i grew up never hearing those words the first time someone someone said i love you and it was not in a, a romantic like relationship was when i was age 22 oh wow yeah Saying I love you was not something we grew up with, and and it and it shocked me when I first heard it. And I was like, uh, "Thanks," because I didn't know I didn't know how to react. It was what's weird. <laughs> oh my god, that's like every teenage girl's worst nightmare. I love you. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Am I but, supposed to say it back? Right, but but you know and. And, and that was when I first moved to Wyoming. So it, it coming from a totally different culture in, in Trinidad and Tobago. And coming here and you find that I love yous were, was so like frequent and, and open and freely given. And it, it didn't come from someone who you were in a romantic relationship with. It came from friends and like family. And I was like, okay, hey, that's weird. This is weird. Um, but now... <laughs> But fast forward 16 years, I tell my girls all the time, like, I love them, and, 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 I, and I do, and it, it heals me just saying it, mm-hmm. and it heals me with showing them that I, that I do love them. So it's not just the words, like, the actions should match also. Um, and another thing would be, be honest with your kids. Because a lot of times as parents, we hold back. And we think that they don't know, they they can't see that, they don't see the struggle, they don't know that mom's stressed out. Um, but yeah, they, they do. They do. And third would be stop putting financial burdens on your children. Stop telling your children that yeah. we don't have money, we can't afford this. And I'm telling you guys from experience, because that was a burden that was placed on me as a young child it's your fault that your dad doesn't bring money over it's your fault pretty much that we don't have food Mm -hmm. and i'm like ma'am 
I did not tell you to go sleep with a married man. That's not my fault. Yeah, yeah. There goes my non-compassion right there. <laughs> but please don't don't put financial burdens on your on your children because they feel like they're a burden to you when when mm-hmm. when you do that. Mm-hmm. I, I then they don't want to ask you for right. Money. And I always explain to my children, I'm not gonna give you guys everything. You have to work towards it. So if you want to purchase. And you're not laptop, you want to go on a shopping spree. I will meet you halfway. Yes. You can work towards it. And I'm glad that you brought that up because there's a difference between, oh, we can't afford that. And um, listen, that is outside of our budget. Mm -hmm. But let's figure out a way to meet on this. And what can you do to help provide for that as well, too? Because those that's preparation for for adulthood, you know, and that was the same thing that like my parents never did that. But my mom had that similar upbringing as you, Sabrina, that it was like those comments would always come out and it's like. Oh my God! Yeah, you go to the and store and you're like, "Can I get this?" No, I don't have money for that. We don't have money for that. All I have is twenty dollars for groceries. Like, stop doing that. Yeah. Um, I think Sabrina's actually the one that is the one that taught me to change my verbiage about about money. Talking to my kids about money, not that I was doing it intentionally or maliciously ever, but changing the verbiage like not right now, but maybe next week or. You know, yeah. how about we save for that mm-hmm. or try to get that next month or something? Yep. Um, I always tell my kids. Yeah. I love the fact that you say that because I, you go to the store and what do they do? Seven, five, three. They just want toys, 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 toys. And I, and I always tell them, not right now. Let's put it on your Christmas list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or birthday. Or, or birthday list. Yeah. And that's, and that's how I get out of that because mm-hmm. it's gross. And I don't want to tell them that because then they feel like they're financially insecure. Mm-hmm. Well, we yeah. don't have any money to do that. Right. Like, and then they have in their mindset, oh, well, we can, mm-hmm. I really want this, but I can't ask mom and dad because we don't remember mom said last time we didn't have money. And then mm-hmm. they, they, then the generational trauma of scarcity, you're blocking abundance. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's transferred that way. Yep. So then when they grow up to be adults, they have the same mindset. They do the same thing with their children because that, that's, what, yeah. that's, that's what grandma said. Yeah. That's what mom mm-hmm. said. Yeah. Um, so we went shopping today because Nia's in a quinceanera on Saturday. Mm. And I had to explain because they were, like, asking me for all these things. And usually when I take them shopping, like, I'll buy them one or two things here and there, you know. Um, I don't, I actually just love buying my kids all the things because it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, you know, I told, I had to explain to them, like, I'm having surgery. I'm going to be down for six weeks. Like, you know, we got to kind of save for that. And so when school comes, I said we can go school clothes shopping and buy all the shoes and all the clothes and all the things you want for yeah. school, you know. And they were like, oh, okay. Because they were, like, asking me for all these things, all these things. And I'm like... You know, I can't do that right now. That's yeah. a good way to you know, explain it. Yep, um, absolutely. So I just, yeah, Sabrina's the one that taught We're me how to change go. my entire verbiage <laughs> about money because I never thought of, oh, we can't right now, we don't have enough money, or I'm broke, mm-hmm. or, yeah. you know. There's and you're just always... putting that out there in the universe anyways, and it's just... I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke. Yeah. Like, you're, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because then yeah. it could manifest uh-huh. in ways that you don't realize. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. you look back and you're like, yeah. I never have enough. Um, and when yes. I stopped using that verbiage, it was like I was able to buy whatever I wanted for the kids. 
it was just crazy how that works. So that, what I hear you saying is that is be aware of the words that you're yeah. you're utilizing as a parent. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that. Any other advice? Um, I would say my number one thing is no matter um, the environment you grow up in, whether you're you grow up in poverty or um, whatever it is, always try to raise your kids with love. I know, you know, I have heard from several people, um, including myself, we didn't grow up with a lot of money, but I know that my parents raising me in a loving household made all the world of difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you don't really see anything else but that. And Mm -hmm. so you don't, you know what I mean? You don't recognize anything else but love. I think about what Sabrina says, like tagging off of yours about thinking about love mm-hmm. that the child, they are only a child for so mm-hmm. long that mm-hmm. the most years you'll have with your kids are when they are adults. Yes. So if you want them with you, <laughs> yeah. then, then figure, figure out how they're raise yeah. them with love, mm-hmm. raise them with acceptance, mm-hmm. even in the times where you may disagree, flat out disagree, but figure out a way to love yeah. and appreciate mm-hmm. them through that, through that scenario. Yeah. Because they'll be around a lot longer than oh, if yeah. you have yeah. come at them with hatred mm-hmm. or toxicity or negativity or yeah. all of those things. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, you know, you, you see adults and, and you wonder, oh, why don't they have a relationship with their parents? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And oh, <laughs> we could probably go off on a whole other thing about that. Yes. But yeah, my. I don't need to talk to your mom anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because that's none of your business because. That's your why? only parent. Why? Yeah, because, like, how you treat your children when they're younger matters. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, they owe you yeah. no loyalty. No. Because it is your job. I think that's the biggest thing. It's your job to care for the kids you chose to have them. It's mm-hmm. your job to do right by them. Mm-hmm. It's your yes. job to do best by them. But they owe you no loyalty. Because if you aren't going to take care of them, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are tons of stories of foster parents or teachers or a coach or somebody in their life mm-hmm. in a child's life that gave them love and acceptance and guided them through some of the toughest things. And they will shout them out rather than their parents because they're parents. So either way, your kid will get taken care of. Yeah. It just may not be by you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, like I sit here and I, and I think about it like your your mom is it's, it's still alive. Like, thank God for that. Rita's has passed on. And I have been no contact for over a year. And that's by choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. tells you how important it is to have a relationship with your children. And do right. And, and don't be abusive. Like, create an environment where they can thrive and not mm-hmm. just survive. Yes. Yep. And then to go off of that, number two is be supportive. Yeah. Just be supportive. Yep. You know in their career choice and their love choice and how they how they want to look their style mm-hmm. um just anything and everything if it's not harming themselves or harming other people just, just support your kids let yes. your kids be kids don't be a child yes. bully yeah <laughs> yeah quit criticizing yeah. that's one of my biggest things that i, I freaking that. could not stand like just let it go why, why do you have to worry about that 
Like, I have a distinct memory of that. Like, if I'm not worried about that, why are you worried about that? Yeah. Why do you care so much that you have to then look at me and talk to me in that in that way because, because of that? Like, yeah. stop worrying about it. If I'm not worrying about it, you don't need to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah. yeah. My two... My two biggest ones. Um, and then they flow out of my head. Okay. One is take care of yourself. Like you have to fill oh, your yeah. cup constantly. Yes. And then the, gosh, dang it. This happens to me every time. Because <laughs> oh, there's so much good stuff like, to talk about. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So my, the biggest one is to, yeah, just feel, feeling your cup and, um, I guess the one that's popping into my head right now is never be scared to change and change what you're doing. If it doesn't work, find something else, find a resource, look it up, see what you can do. Yeah. You know, I sat at a work training in June and Lord have mercy. I learned so much and here I am trying to do those things. And I was laughing my ass off when I came home and I was like, <laughs> every time your kid is tattling on you, cause I got the five-year-old and that is his notorious thing. And uh, I looked at him and I was like, are you being helpful or hurtful? Uh-huh. And he says, hurtful. <laughs> Wait, Helpful, And I was dying laughing at the ridiculousness. And I was like, yo, dude, I just got to tell you, I so appreciate your honesty. Thank you for being honest with your first answer. And I was like, you're wanting to get something out of that because it's the tattling thing. And here I am as a counselor. And I'm like, I have all this experience working with kids and with parents and all this stuff. I still, still learn new things all the time. So it's like, don't ever be scared to teach yourself something new. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm going to piggyback on what you Mm -hmm. said because it kind of reminds me of parenting um, from your ego. Yeah. And and, and when you do a slow clap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, And when you do that, you're putting all your expectations, all your expectations on your children, not guiding them so that they are able to grow and evolve into who they were created to be and not what you want them to be. I want you to be a doctor because you're going to make the family so proud and everyone can praise you and it's going to reflect on mom and dad. And of course, that cultivates an environment where your children cannot um, say no to you. They just, they have to say yes to everything. Uh Yes. When you parent from your ego, it becomes less about them and more about you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard, you make your family, you know you make your family so proud. It's not my burden. Girl, don't even get me started on pedestal. (laughs) I feel like we're going to have to, we're going to have to come back for another round two of this, these conversations because that's a, oh man, that's some heavy stuff. And, and the behaviors that come from that and the guilt and the shame and the addiction. Uh, Yeah. Okay. We're not going to get started on that. So thank you guys for for chatting with me and being vulnerable. I know that sometimes is tough, but. I always appreciate our conversations and I'm glad that everybody else is getting to experience that as well too. So yeah. All right. Thanks for having us. I mean it was close. It was close with the tears, but we made it. I know. (laughs) There might have been a couple, you know, oh God, I gotta fan off my face real quick, you know, side little swipe that tear away. But yes. All right. Till the next time. Till the next time. Bye. So I'm just gonna say it, yeah. Fear you don't hold me. There ain't no room in this story.
Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. This episode was definitely way longer than we thought it was, but you know, that's just kind of how we do it here. Um, be mindfully you and the conversation's flowing and there's such good stuff. Like we just keep it going for however long it needs to be. So music was done by Francesca Battistelli, the breakup song. I am obsessed with that song. I can't say that enough. So until the next time y'all more parenting talk coming and I'm sure more stuff. So can't wait to chat with you then. See you soon.